this is today is just for those who are uh, joining us on this podcast. Today is going to be a wild one. And uh, we've invited a guest uh, by the name of Dr. Cruz, who we found on Rick Rubin's Tetragamaton podcast. And it is one of the most eye-opening podcasts we've ever listened to. Rich and I were completely blown away. And we invited him and he decided to come on. But we want to prepare you a little bit for this podcast because Dr. Cruz is one of the most brilliant people you will ever listen to. And he goes very deep pretty quickly but know that he does bring it around and we get to an end point where we feel like we really could get to some practical solutions. What was your take, Rich? The guy is brilliant. He's, he's had a lot of experience, 10,000 operations, you know, working mostly on, on the head, the brain, and he's worked really, really hard, right. To be a neurosurgeon. And he's put a lot of time and effort into things, but what he's been discovering is people are still going through pain and suffering and including his own self-experience when he got a torn meniscus he was 327 pounds and diet and exercise weren't cutting it for him so he found something that was not um, traditional mainstream and he got healed and he started doing more research on the foundational things of what the cosmos is made of what our bodies are made of but he's discovered over time that the traditional ways of doing things aren't the actual source of true healing and he's finding alternative ways to helping us get better, heal up, reduce um, aging, and also trying to be a little bit more in control of our own lives. So and here's now, the interesting thing about it is the solutions he found were biologically provable. Like yes. he's not espousing theory. He's espousing Correct. processes that you can look at and go, oh, that's fucked up. And the the... If you wait till the end of the podcast, I want to really encourage you to wait till the end of the podcast. He really talks about the practical solutions, one of which is connecting to sunlight. Yep. And when we do that, it fundamentally changes the way our body deals with melanin. And it becomes a very powerful solution that doesn't require drugs, doesn't require surgery. That's what we're trying to get to is these ideas that are out of the norm but have efficacy and provability. Like that's key. I don't want bullshit. I don't want ideas on this podcast that can't be proved. It can't, people can't go and do them on their own. And that's what I want to encourage our listeners to really think about during this podcast. He goes deep. Don't be intimidated by that. Wait till the end because it all comes together. And he really brings together this sense of, no, there's very simple solutions that we can do. I think also you feel a side of the, the humanity of it. He really yes. is, um, you know, looking to uh, help the world be a better place. And it was, it's definitely a, a podcast that's a top one for us. To give you a little bit of a framework of this podcast, we started it, uh, Rich and I have been very good friends for about 15 years. And we have always kind of thought outside of the status quo. And so we have always kind of talked about how do we use these conversations? We started a podcast and our goal is to really interview people who are thinking way outside of the status quo. And the, the narrative we created was living in the matrix. Most people live inside the matrix and have no clue. We want to find people who are living outside of the matrix or trying to emerge out of it. 
and we heard your interview on Tetragameton, and we were blown away. We were just absolutely blown away because it felt so much in vain with what we were trying to listen to and grow to and hear you. So our goal today is really to listen and be curious about what you discovered, because from our conversation, you were blowing them away just as we were. And uh, our goal is to bring that out of you and say, what did you discover? And why is it important to help us understand from a very rudimentary level? We're not scientists, though, that we are. Um, I have a degree in theology, so I'm used to complex conversations. And uh, But we want to try and make this as accessible because I believe what you said on that call was really important. So that's what we yeah, want to try and draw it, out today. It is important. It's important because the paradigm that most people believe in um, is actually not true. And it's actively being blocked from uh, peer review literature. It's actually being blocked by the people that are in the silos of ivory towers. Um, you know, when I did the Uberman podcast, it was a very, to be quite frank with you, a dangerous podcast for me because um, many of the people that support Uberman's lab mm -hmm. are the people that came after me, you know, a long time ago. And, right. you know, a lot of people don't know, you know, that story. Basically, the gist of the story is that we have other pathways built into cells that we can create energy that totally uh, don't jive with the biochemistry book. And I was not the first person that actually found this. Um, probably the first person that I think was gave a big clue was Albert St. Georgie, who won a Nobel Prize, you know, way back in the 30s. He made it very casual discussion uh, to a group of medical students in 1941 that he looked at protein structure and he said it, it was remarkable that it looked like solid state semiconduction, but he had no idea how it worked. And there just happened to be a young medical student in the audience named Robert O. Becker. And Robert O. Becker, 25 years later, proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that that actually physically happens. Now, we're in 2023. You guys are in California. Um, you don't have an orthopedic surgeon within 100 miles of you that actually knows anything about Becker's work. Mm -hmm. So the first question you need to ask is why is that the case? Because what Becker found is highly disruptive to a paradigm that wallet biopsies people. Uh, to oblivion. Uh, if you understood how the system works, you may be, begin to realize that there is a way around it. And the interesting thing for Becker, he did unbelievable work, uh, you know, that's documented really well in his books. He had to go to books, just so you guys are clear, because he was barred from publishing in the literature because of his military contracts. You know, and if you remember from the Uberman podcast, you heard me say that, you know, DARPA and the federal government are not really into this. And you two should know this uh, because you're involved in technology yourself. And the yeah. entire, the entire um, economy was retooled in the 50s and 60s to an information economy. And the last thing in the world that anybody wanted to hear 
in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s in the United States that electromagnetic radiation somehow could be dangerous to us. And the real issue here is this goes all the way back to Tesla and Edison in the electric power wars. Uh, when you understand that the fight back then was DC versus AC, no one actually asked the, the real question, is one safer than the other for people? The first person actually did bring it up was Edison, you know, when he tried to electrocute uh, an elephant and do things like that to prove that Tesla's current was dangerous. Unfortunately, at that time, we're talking about 1893 to around 1905, uh, quantum physics and biochemistry were not yet discovered. Most mm -hmm. people forget the history lesson. So I can't fully blame Edison and Tesla, although I do put a bigger blame on Tesla because the AC power grid is a huge problem. We can talk about that later. But long story short, after 35 years of laying out biochemistry, Krebs cycle, glycolysis, all the stuff that you read about in the book, Albert St. Georgie makes this comment. Um, in the same time between 1905 and 1965, physics in your state, California, underwent massive renovation. Uh, that's where you had uh, definitive proof that everything was based around atoms. You had definitive proof what the structure of the atom was. Um, you had uh, uh, Chadrinder Bose actually shine light through a fan at a block of silicon and found that it actually was able to emit light and an electric current. This literally occurred in 1901. Now, it never got utilized until the 50s when we came up with transistors. Mm -hmm. And you guys probably know that story really, really well. But there was a 50-year lag. And that lag existed because the physics wasn't yet laid out. Um, that's what makes Albert St. Georgia remarkable in biology, because here was a biologist that actually looked at life being electromagnetic. And if you know anything about the history of medicine, and this is where it gets political again, uh, back to uh, Rockefeller, when Standard Trust was broken up, um, he basically told Congress at that time, I will see to it that I bankrupt the United States. That was the gist <laughs> of his story. And he came up with a, an ingenious plan to take all the chemicals that were side uh, products and turn them into something that they could use. That is the genesis of big pharma, okay? Mm -hmm. Then the second part of his program uh, was to basically create an algorithm in medical school so that everybody would not believe the things that were being found at the same time in physics, meaning vitalism, electromagnetism, all the stuff that Marconi was working on, some of the ideas even that Tesla had. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea was uh, burden that if you change the medical school curriculums, you could get rid of chiropractors, you could get rid of, you know, naturopathic doctors, you could get rid of Chinese medicine and create Western medicine. So that's where we were mm -hmm. from about 1911 uh, all the way through, I'd say probably uh, uh, the discovery of penicillin. When penicillin hit, that's when everything changed. And if you guys remember, and I'm not, I'm not going to assume that you do remember, um, 
1901, the Nobel Prize for Medicine was given to a guy named Finson for the treatment of UV light and treatment of TB to skin. Mm -hmm. To this day, it still works, okay? But you don't know about it because there's a lot of drugs that have to be sold to those right. people. Yeah. And is that what Trump was alluding to with the onset of COVID? I mean, he got excoriated for talking about injecting bleach, but there was this idea of UV light that he brought up in like in a press conference. Is that the kind of angle he was going at? Trump, 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 his problem probably is kind of like my problem is delivery. Mm -hmm. um, what you need to really understand about, uh, you know, UV light. UV light uh, has a long history of killing, you know, uh, pathogens. I mean, we still use it in surgery today when we use UVC light. Yeah. But the problem was the way in which he said it. If he would have said that the 1918 pandemic during right after World War I was caused by a coronavirus and doctors at that time found that when they put patients in the sun, they did better, we could have saved ourselves a lot of money, but see, that's not what happened. Why? Because his messaging went off point and the centralization happened. Like he gave Fauci, you know, carte blanche. And remember, Fauci is cut from the Rockefeller uh, legacy. Same, right. same cloth, different, different uh, epochs, but same cloth. So when you get to Becker now in the 60s and he finds what he finds, what did the military sign up for him to do? They were very interested in um, regenerating pieces and parts of soldiers injured in wars, like World War II, um, Vietnam, things like that. And the reason why is because they realized that the cost of healthcare for veterans was off the chain and it was also not efficient. So Becker began to study regeneration. And this is the most amazing thing he found and how I found it. My mentor in neurosurgery, David Klein, is world expert in peripheral nerve surgery. He's now at the end of his life. He told me when I was a resident, you need to go look at the work of Becker. He was up at the SUNY Syracuse. He was three times nominated for the Nobel Prize, but his lab was defunded by the military because he went on 60 minutes and said something that he probably shouldn't have said. And, um, Long story short, what he found was that humans still have the ability to regenerate completely. Let me, let me make sure you understand what that means. That means you take a, a cell, de-differentiate it into the cell you want, brand new, no scar. We still have that ability. How did he find this initially? Planarial DNA or um, salamander? Yeah, he went to the salamander and he used that because salamanders have an amazing ability to regenerate. Yep. So his thesis was, what about the salamander is different than us? Okay, that was the whole thesis. So what did he find? He found that we make a ferroelectric current, small little DC current that's able to take a red blood cell at an injury site, de-differentiate it into a mesenchymal or stem cell. And then this DC electric current that seems to be right under the myelin sheath of the nerve is critical in regenerating it. The problem in mammals is that wound healing is so good that that current never stayed there long enough and it did in lower life forms. Why? Because we developed a much more complex, you know, neurologic uh, system. And that was, you know, the, the, the gist behind it. The interesting thing that he found that the military really liked 
and but it was never expanded because he was defunded. He was able to put the salamanders to sleep just by putting them on a high gauss magnet, 2000 gauss magnet. The other interesting thing is tips. Where, where was some of the things on the orthopedic side that you could regenerate fully? Fingertips still in mammals today are fully regenerable. But again, something most orthopedic surgeons don't know. The big one for me though, since I'm a spine surgeon, I do a lot of, of spine surgery, is bone does not heal. Bone completely regenerates. Oh. And when I looked into that, that is the reason why my mentor said, you need to look into this. And Dr. Klein was not a spine guy. In fact, he hated spine surgery because he was a, a peripheral nerve guy. And he said, I think you need to know about this because it's really important. And then he turned me on to a couple of other scientists that actually were Uberman's mentors um, about median nerve uh, uh, neuroplasticity. And I read his work and his work was really important for the development of cochlear implants. And I started to think to myself, you know, back when I was a resident, I wonder if we have this ability in other places. And I found out obviously through medical school. Well, Dr. Cruz, let me do this. Let, let me, um, let me interrupt you real quick. I want to start the podcast and say, uh, this is in, uh, living in the matrix. I'm Jonathan and with my co-host rich, and we are here with a fascinating guest. Uh, Dr. Cruz, I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself. Uh, but what I, the question that I want to ask to start so our listeners can grapple with it with you is at a fourth grade level, what did you discover? Like I discovered accessory uh, metabolic pathways in us that create more energy than ATP. And turns out those pathways are critically important and they're being destroyed by uh, the use of blue light. Blue light. Yeah. What does that mean? In basically, terms. basically, what you're doing right now um, with me over the computer, you are subtracting time from your life to have this conversation with me. Mm -hmm. Since you're a UX architect, sir, um, the user interface, I think it's beyond ironic that you haven't asked the question, why is it that every single screen emits light that is not like the sun? Why is it that we use an alien spectrum? I can answer that question for you because Bill Gates' dad and the guys that founded Google know about the patents that control dopamine in humans. Yeah. And guess what? Dopamine comes from the degradation of melanin. And it turns out that other pathway that we're, you're asking me about, it's called the leptin melanocortin pathway. Okay. And when you degrade melanin, all you have to do is make yourself hypoxic. You create dopamine. Well, if you want to make a really good product, make it addictive. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that's what technology has done. Every single project that you've worked on works and works really well because screens have used it. And this idea came deep inside both DARPA and the CIA through a, a project that was done at Tulane University in the neurosurgery a neurology program called MK Ultra. Most of you probably <laughs> yes. know MK Ultra well. Yeah. Right. And That's the kind happened, of stuff we love talking about. Yeah. Well, what happened in that uh, lab is that information was done by a neurosurgeon and a neurologist there. Remember, I went to my training at LSU. LSU. So I knew about all this. There's two lanes right across the street. And I was able to talk to some of the people that were 
there back in the early 90s who were there in the in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And I found out some interesting things. Um, but I never put it together back then like I did after. What my did you find out? Well, I found out that we you're able to control people uh, really well through the use of wireless signals and through light frequencies. Okay. And what did DARPA and the CIA effectively do? They actually um, gave this data from the MK Ultra program, denied his existence, and then um, they actually gave it to a guy named Carlos Delgado, who is a PhD, and he actually implanted wires inside of a bull's head with a remote to see if they could stop a charging bull from hitting a person, and they were able to do that. So then they got the idea, well, if Marconi could make wireless signals to the radio, why can't we do this? And then they did that. And then what was the next step they did? Well, Claude Shannon and, and Turing taught everybody that all you need to create a message or information is a binary code. So what did they do? They used light to create a situation where they can make obedient idiots out of people. And that is the reason why every screen user interface is blue lit, has no UV light and has no infrared A, also has high flicker. You do that, uh, you're able to have a massive effect on the clients that you're trying to deal with. Now, did they know about all the biologic effects? No, that's where Becker comes into the story. Becker is the guy. Let me do this, make sure I hear you correctly is what you're saying, because I appreciate you're calling out. I'm in user interface. Uh, I, I work on the screen. That's my job. You're basically saying the theory, the, not theoretical, the structure of that screen emits a light source that is antithetical to our natural biology. Yeah, it affects, it affects a, a non-visual photoreceptor called melanopsin. Melanopsin, okay. you listen to the Rubin. Uh, I remember that, that, that term, sure. Yeah, you, you actually heard Huberman say, he made a joke. Yeah, he goes, when one of my fellow colleagues found that we had frog melanopsin in our brain, nobody could believe it. And then it turns out that we have the most melanopsin of any mammal. And then it gets even more interesting. We have melanopsin in our fat mass, and we also have it in every single blood vessel. What does body. that mean? I have melanopsin in Think my about it. It's very simple. It's like putting a stick of dynamite in all of those places when you sit in front of of a blue lit screen. Okay, so what, what you're saying is when I watch that screen, good. Wait a minute. What is the blue light hazard? You need to know what part of the blue frequency is the problem. 435 to 465. Why is that? Makes the most reactive oxygen species. That means really nasty mojo. Okay. That means it destroys tissues. So what is the tissue that I became most interested in? you know, when I found it, it was actually melanin. And melanin functionally, what does it do as opposed to the ATPase? Melanin charge separates water into hydrogen, oxygen, and electrons. What does the system do? You could probably figure out oxygen tensions raised. That's good, but hydrogen gets put into the mitochondria, which is the matrix. It's kind of like the engine of the car. Then electrons get used in these semiconductive circuits that Albert St. Georgie and Becker talked about mm -hmm. uh, it's a huge redox model. So that's the basic wiring. ATP is only used to unfold proteins to make them more like a semiconductor okay. and surround it with water. That was the idea that Ling brought 
in the 1950s that I talked about in the Uberman podcast. This was things that Uberman didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know that water has been proven to be a semiconductor, which in your field is also antithetical to believe. Why? Because you guys work on narrowband semiconductors and you know when you drop an iPhone in the pool, it doesn't work. It turns out wideband semiconductors actually work better when they're hydrated and when they're cold. And that has a huge impact on how the system could be built in mammals. So the other thing that's very interesting, Huberman's uh, dad is a condensed matter physicist at Stanford. So he was able to run a lot of this stuff by his dad. And he found out that many of the colleagues that are in that world, because his dad's not working anymore, are actually working on melanin. And they're looking at it as a better platform than even graphene for quantum computing. And they're stunned that a biologic membrane can do something that their stuff can't do. And what they still don't understand from the 50s is what are the benefits of wideband gap semiconduction? They, they know it now since about 2007. But the key is they still haven't fixed the real problem that concerns me and should concern you as a UX guy. It's the user interface where we come together with computers is still wholly toxic because of the presence of melanopsin in our body. And it turns out it's in our skin, our fat, our brain, all the arteries. So if you remember, both of you remember, um, Huberman interviewed a guy from UCSF who's the chairman of neurosurgery. His name's Eddie Chang. And he had, he was asked a question. And he 50%. Said, right, <laughs> 50% of things in medicine are wrong. And you saw my answer to you, Brennan. I said 99.9%. Yes. And the reason why is because when you understand what the effect of the non-visual photoreceptors are and you have no light controls in any of your experiment, how do you know the truth? I I think what's, what's crazy here, you scared the crap out of me when you said we're walking sticks of dynamite because what you're literally looking at is when you see a random person just take out a small town like every freaking day. And I mean, even with a guy that took out um, the folks in, um, in, in Las Vegas, he supposedly was a normal human, but forget about that. You, you want to go to the extraordinary stuff. You know what I'd like you guys to do walk around San Diego when you have this conference this week and look at all the drug addicts hanging out on the street. Or how about going to San Francisco? Oh, it's terrible. What you're basically seeing there is melanin being degraded because there's no oxygen. And what happens, the dopamine eventually goes down. If you do that long enough, you have no dopamine in your frontal lobes. And what does no dopamine in your frontal lobes get you? Depression and drug addiction and, and things like that. It's not, this is not really difficult to understand. You know what the problem is? It's difficult to accept, okay? And the problem is everything that I shared with Rick and with Huberman is published in literature and guys like you don't know this stuff. My job before I'm dead is to tell you guys and then you do something with it. Hopefully uh, you as a UX guy can convince some of the idiots that you work with that we need to change screen technology. And I'll give you an example. I'll even give you an idea that, I, that you should use to make a killing. Um, in surgery, you know that we have x-ray detectors, you know, that we walk around with to see what our levels are. We need to get humans, all of them, blue light detectors when they work. And then you turn it into your job at the end of the month, and then you get a report back 
this is how much blue light you got in terms of a radiance for joules per centimeter squared. And then you know what you do? Then you take that and correlate it to ICU admissions, days off, sickness, how much money was spent. Because you know, you guys are total data whores. You can pull all this information through Epic, uh, you know, all the stuff. You can actually go back and see the effect of Obama's reg regulations getting rid of incandescence and bring in LEDs going from analog to digital. It's all there. The problem is nobody wants to know the truth. You know why? Because YouTube won't have a job. That's the problem. This is that disruptive. And it's really disruptive to who controls my profession, which is big pharma. Because remember, they're the guys that sell the prescriptions to the doctors after they come through medical school. So they have a vested interest to make sure our people like Uberman who teach medical students that the dots are never connected. I'm that guy. I'm like melanopsin in a blue light world in centralized medicine. This information uh, is vital for people to get. And I hope you guys, when you do this podcast, you put it out. I hope some of you go back and listen to what I said uh, to Uberman uh, about this melanopsin issue and see what he said to me. He goes, it was unimaginable to us just 15 or 20 years ago that we had a frog melanopsin in our system, in our body, and that somehow non-visual photoreception was more important than seeing. And guess what? It turns out that disbelief, I'm the guy who's kind of told you. So in that way, I'm like Albert St. Georgie. So why did I go on Uberman's podcast? Why am I doing this podcast with you guys? I'm hoping that some medical student, some PhD researcher, mm -hmm. here's what I'm saying. And they actually study this like Becker did. And then guess what? 20, 25 years from now, you know, your kids, your grandkids, you know, your family members, they won't have to face what my patients have faced for the last 30 years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the, the legacy is what you're looking for. You know, um, I, I wanted to ask a couple of quick questions. Like, let's say we've got this high levels of melanopsin. Um, what's the, is, is there, you know, a short term or a longer term framework outside of killing your freaking screen? Um, are there antidotes like spending more time in the sun, allowing that morning sun to come into your eyes, you know, outdoors? I would, I would, I would tell you that obviously the, the EMF that we're evolved with is the sun. So it starts there. But if you remember in that podcast, and I'll say it again here, because I think it's important. The recipe in the sun is the key. Like you can look at the sun, but the sun still doesn't give you the answer. You just have to know that your optical window is attuned to that is all the frequencies in sunlight, terrestrial sunlight, part of the recipe? The answer is no, it's not. No. And you need to know what those parts are. But I will tell you, was there a researcher that was between uh, Tesla and Albert St. Georgie who came up with an idea named Riley Reef um, to create an electromagnetic footprint to deliver energy to tissues to see if he could fix things? And it turns out, experimentally, he found some interesting things. The problem is, same thing that happened to Becker, he got canceled and killed. So the interesting part of this story, because if you ask me a really good question, this is a question that um, I didn't get into with Huberman, because I was trying to explain the biology. Yeah. And with you guys, I'm not. I'm trying to give you an 80,000 foot view 
my belief, because of Wheeler's theorem, and I'm going to assume you guys know a little physics, Wheeler basically said in the 50s and 60s that energy and information are the same. How did he get that idea? He actually got that idea from Claude Shannon and Turing. And he was a physicist that was an outside-the-box thinker as well. And I remember when I read his work about this topic, I said, you know, this is kind of interesting. So what did I do? I went and looked at Shannon's theory uh, for messages and information transfer. Then I went and looked at Boltzmann's equation for entropy. And you know what you'll find if you put them together? They're almost exact duplicates. Oh, wow. And I think Wheeler realized that as well. And when I saw that, I actually began to pay great attention to what Wheeler did. What's the sad part of this, the saga for us is that no one actually picked up the ball and went further. So do I think that that, that closed door in science could get us to a Riley Reef type of machine? Do I think that technology potentially could give us an answer to this problem? Like, is there an EMF recipe other than the sun that could be created? I'm going to tell you, do I believe it today? The answer is no. But is it theoretically possible, just like wireless telephony was possible in Marconi's time? The answer is yes. So the goal is, the only way I believe that we're going to get to this point is to tell people the truth about how we really work. Because if we don't understand how we work, how can we build a solution for the problem? What does your solution look like? Oh, my solution is pretty simple. I, I see no reason to embrace technology. I think sticking with nature is the smartest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and I probably say that because I'm lazy and uh, I'm at towards the end of my life. It took me 20 years to figure all this stuff out. Mm -hmm. and to be honest with you, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted dealing with idiots in my profession, dealing with idiots that are in ivory towers, telling me I don't know what I'm talking about when every single thing that I put down on social media, I can explain problems that no one else can explain. I mean, if you just go on my Twitter feed today, right. I explain today why everybody's LDL cholesterol is up, why their blood sugar is up, why metabolic syndrome is happening. It's not hard to figure out once you understand where to look. And the problem is Rockefeller and Big Pharma have made it their job not to make sure healthcare looks in those spots. And then this is all codified by guys like you. Your, your uh, industry doesn't understand, your mindset is that technology only has a good connotation. You don't understand that it's causing the problems. It's the reason why Look, there's stuff that got cut uh, on the podcast. I told Rick, this is the reason why we have the tra transgender issue. People don't realize when you have uh, uh, the non-visual photoreceptors, the vitamin A comes off. You know what vitamin A controls in humans? Controls all the hormones in the hypothalamus that deal with, are you going to be male or are you going to be female? That's for real. This That's is the, not. So what's the implications of that? But it means that instead of 0.1% people identifying as trans, it's going to be 12 to 15% versus 20% in 10 or 15 years, Jonathan. That's right. what it means. Right. And the problem is, instead of, instead of just going around, and I'm not trying to tell you, don't accept these people. I'm okay accepting them. I want you to know that you're great. That's the problem. And like the autism issue, people don't realize that 
um, the pa first paper on autism was written in the 1940. There was no autism before that. Well, guess what? There was also no plugging into the AC power grid outside of radio, but that's how it started. And then what did that do? It affected neuralation in the thalamus. It affected the way the notochord bends in morphology. But what effectively happened? The connections in the human brain couldn't be made because two things, and you guys may like this. Remember, most people find what you guys do amazing that a one and a zero could give you an iPhone or give right. you this. That's, that's it. But people don't realize what's the binary code in biology? Hydrogen and deuterium. And it turns out if you put deuterium in the wrong spot because it has a different magnetic moment, guess what it does? It creates bends and proteins that shouldn't be there. Well, does that sound like anything that you may have heard about maybe Parkinson's or maybe Alzheimer's? My dad had Parkinson's. Yeah. Well, guess what? I got news for you. There's a reason for that. And it turns out you need to understand that nature has a plan of where to put deuterium. Now, did I get into that at all with Huberman? No. But mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that how you look at food is not how I look at it. Food is an electromagnetic barcode of how the sun, I should say the earth revolves around the sun. And your mitochondria is designed to decipher that electromagnetic code. What code is it based on? Binary code, mm. those two atoms. And once you understand that, because I think in your audience, what I just said is far more acceptable because you guys already have an understanding that a one and a zero can do the things we've done in technology. You guys have to realize in my world, nobody believes that biology can be explained by those two things. I'm getting ready next Wednesday. Why is that? Because they're fucking idiots. If you want you know, to- No, is there a competing story that's been- No, they can't fathom it's that simple. Like oh, they, okay. they can't fathom what Turing wrote in 1951. He wrote a paper on morphogenesis, okay? And he basically found that the markings on cows and animals was controlled by a binary system. And he did it mathematically. Like his interest mm -hmm. was about mathematics. You know, most of you know about Turing for his, his work on computers. Turing, uh, the test versus yeah. is it a machine or is it human? Correct. And he hypothesized the Turing machine. But who really gave life to Turing's ideas was Claude Shannon with Bell Labs when he figured out that the key to the message uh, was the message had to be difficult. That was the key determination. Well, I want you to stop there for a minute and realize that a one and a zero is different. And the message that went through Bell, the things that made it different actually were key to be able to send the information. Well, there's nothing more different on the periodic table than atom number one that's got a proton and you add another neutron to it. It's double the atomic weight and its magnetic moment is completely different. The magnetic moment of an electron is a half nuclear spin. The magnetic moment of a proton is a half nuclear spin. You know what the magnetic moment of deuterium is? A half plus nuclear one. spin. Oh, plus, plus one. one. Is that resonance? It's totally different. Hold on, hold on, hold on a minute. Uh, before you start asking questions, mm -hmm. you need to stop. You're the tech guy. If you add double the atomic mass and you change the magnetic moment in a computer, what does E equals MC squared say about that relationship? I don't know. Yes, you do. E equals mass times light squared. So energy and mass are equivalent. But if you double the mass, what does that mean? 
you need way more energy to run the system. Oh, got it. Okay. Why did biology choose H plus over deuterium? Very simple. It's more cost effective. Got it. Now, magnetism. You should you should get easily if the magnetic moment of a particle is different. Tell me how that would work on a magnetic drive that you store all your photos on right now. It's a big difference, isn't it? And one's going to have more memory than the other. Like, you know about this stuff. Like, what I'm saying to you is not foreign because you're in the tech world. What I just said to you in the last five minutes, Huberman's, mm -hmm. like, they have no earthly idea that these details on the periodic table actually are what builds order from chaos. That's actually what happens. And it turns out in the story that I laid out to Rick and to Uberman, uh, I told them about my hack on the periodic table. You know that I didn't get too deep in the weeds, but you know what I found? All the wide-based open atoms are all paramagnetic. What does that mean? That means they're all drawn to magnetic fields. You know what else I found? Looked at proteins that were paramagnetic. You know which one is the most? Melanin. How you like that? Yep. So there was a trend there. So here's what you do when you're a sleuth, when you're a curious guy. You keep building the story from knowns to unknowns. And that's why I said in the podcast, I'm, 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 no, I'm not smarter than Gilbert Ling. Gilbert Ling was the guy that figured out that water was a semiconductor that actually had to be next to proteins. I said, DNA, everybody thinks DNA is the big deal. That's the whole biologic paradigm. DNA is not that important. It just makes the protein. How the protein unfolds and how you put different atoms around it determines the light emission diode. That's your world again. You know mm -hmm. that when you put a current into a, semi, uh, a processor, you create either current or light. That's what LED stands for. Well, it turns out the light that wideband semiconductors make is UVA, UVB, UVC, and VUV light. This is light that's stronger than the sun. And then you sit back and you go, well, let me go look at the four aromatic amino acids that the most critical chemicals in biochemistry uses. And you'll find out it's histidine, tryptophan, uh, tyrosine, and phenylalanine. That's it. We only have four. If you look at the absorption spectra of all of those, you know what you find? They're all in the VUV range. So you got to ask yourself a question. Does nature make mistakes? And you heard what you had said, and you heard what I said, and you heard what Rick said. So I asked the next question. I said, where's the light coming from? So I figured that out from the periodic table, and I figured out what was going on. And then I asked some other questions. I said, if this is going on inside of us, and melanin is driving this whole process, there's got to be a story on the outside of us that really ties this all together. And I found it. It's in melanin and cholesterol. And cholesterol, for those of you who don't know, has two absorption peaks. Guess what they are? 220 to about 240, hmm. and then around 500. What is that? 220 to 240 is uh, UVC, VUV light, right at the border. That's got to make you stop and ask a question. And then the second one um, is at 500, which is in the blue range. So I thought about it for a long period of time, and then it dawned on me what the answer was. That's seasonal change. You have a summertime and a wintertime, and that would make sense. And then I thought about the issue that I brought up 
with Huberman and uh, Rick about how melanin is still has its neuroplasticity. Like I told you about before in mammals that Becker found, I realized that it was still present in the melanin or the POMC gene. And I said, this makes a lot of sense now. Melanin is on our skin. Mm -hmm. So it turns out, what's the other non-visual photoreceptor that you guys never even think about that your doctor doesn't think about? It's cholesterol. And it turns out that cholesterol has to work with sunlight in a very unique fashion. And it turns out when most people, I think you guys will know this, and I think most of your listeners are, every medical student learns that cholesterol is changed by about 312 nanometer light, the vitamin D. That's what you get told. That's what everybody knows. But it's not that simple. If you actually look at the process, turns out that sunlight with that 312 UVB light has to also sulfate it. it it's it's got to sulfate it. And then what else happens when you're in strong sun? The cholesterol you make is high density lipoprotein, meaning it's tightly packed. HDL, which you always hear is good cholesterol. You know why it's good? For one reason. It's got more electrons in it than LDL. What did mm -hmm. you learn from the 1922 Nobel Prize? The photoelectric effect of Einstein. You can only absorb light, right, with electrons. So then the absorption spectra of cholesterol began to make a lot of sense to me. And I was like, you know what? We're absorbing this. Water is transforming it so the cholesterol can work. It's got to be soluble. So I looked into the, the, the issue with sulfur. Remember, sulfur is one of those atoms that I told you about. It's diamagnetic, so it's different. So I said, what, what does this atom functionally do? Then I found out it makes cholesterol more water-soluble so that when HDL is in the blood, you don't need lipoproteins to go get it and pull it out. LDL cholesterol is upregulated when there's no UV light out. And it turns out the real cutoff there is 380 nanometers. Not really important for you right now because you don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but its main issue is it pays attention to 500 nanometer light. That is directly in the blue-green range. That is the light that you get at higher latitudes from the sun most of the day when you don't have UVA or UVB. So what is the, the system doing? The light signal through your eye and your brain goes in and tells the POMC gene, we need to make LDL cholesterol. What, what have people in centralized medicine not realized? That light stress increases LDL cholesterol. Hard stop now, John. What did I tell you as a UX guy that you're on? What are you sit in front of? Screen. A blue light detector that okay. has frequency. So why is everybody in California and San Diego and everybody you know have high LDL cholesterol and are on statins to make the Rockefellers and their trustees rich. You understand the story. And don't think Merck didn't know about this because if you go look at the original patent, you'll see that they even knew the story about coenzyme Q10. Not gonna get into that, but just trust me on it. So the big Basically issue- what you're saying is that the they knew the value of sick people is you could sell them drugs. Is that essentially what you're saying? I, I think it's a little bit more nefarious than that. I think okay. perfect example. Most people, uh, you know, hold, held him and Jobs up. Jobs got taken out by his technology. I think that was the nature doing the right thing. I think Gates is the most nefarious man on the planet because through his dad, through his connection with the CIA, he knew about all these things. This is the reason why 
he's buying up farmland. This is the reason why he's now putting deuterium covering in form of waxes on fruits, whether they're organic or not, because he knows you won't wash them, you'll eat them, and you'll create yourself to be an obedient idiot when you stand in front of his computer terminals for Microsoft. So when, when you sit in front of a blue light screen, your monitor on your computer. That is like you're in a casino. Okay. You're not leaving. There's no windows, John. That's what, that's effectively what doing this podcast has been for you, me and him. Now I have a blue blocker on my computer. I don't know if you do, but I'm telling you, I'm blocking it. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand the reason why. And it turns out, I told you, the binary code of biology, two atoms. Turns out H plus, that's the good one. That's mm -hmm. the one that makes red light in the atomic spectrum in the sun. Mm -hmm. Turns out cytochrome four and the ATPase use that, that atom to run most of the biology through the ATPase that doctors know well. But what happens when you break that? Then you have to use the melanin system and guess what happens? Blue light destroys that system. So you create huge amounts of disease that you can't ever figure out. That's where autism is. That's where MS is. That's where um, autoimmune conditions are. That's where cancer is. But the, the issue is they've known about it. The real nefarious part of this, they want to control us. That we are headed back, in my opinion, to medieval feudal times. Why? We don't even know that we're slaves because we think the technology is good. So it brings up Plato's allegory of the cave. That's exactly what's going on right now, where everybody's putting their hands out to make TikTok videos and Instagram posts using their user interface so that they become obedient idiots for the paradigm. And this breeds compliance. Okay? What is the outcome of that, Wally? Or you know, no, when they're all around I, I, the screen? I think it's a little bit more nefarious. I, I, if you want to know the truth. So the intent is to control. The, the intent is to control, but also get their ideas. Right. Through. The global elites, the 1%, are trying to affect the rest of the population without them knowing about it. That's what's happening. So we started this podcast around the idea. The, the narrative was the matrix. And essentially what I hear you saying is this is almost like we're leading into pods. Yeah. Every, they the they want us all in pods yeah. generating electricity for their services. Would you agree with that? Well, that good connection. Uh, I, I'm assuming, John, that you listened to the podcast. For you I did. Win. I want to yes. direct you to this part. You remember when he said the problem in science right now is that everybody's in their own silo. Yes. That's how it's maintained. That's how the paradigm is maintained. That's, that's the part that you need to realize. They've even got the people who could figure this out in mm -hmm. silos and they control them through funding, okay? Yes. Like I was on social media and I said COVID was a compliance test for an economic reset. And yes. on the surface, it sounds absurd until you actually understand what's truly going on. And, you know, I don't want to be too conspiratorial, but it sounds like you guys are. So early on in the... Uh, pandemic when the vaccine was rolled out i actually took the vaccine and put it in an mri compatible uh dish and i actually had my tech do an mri and guess what i found this is the vaccine correct it's a deuterium box loaded with deuterium 
loaded. And things in nature that are usually loaded with deuterium usually are like fruits and things like that. Deuterium has a role. I don't want you to think it doesn't have a role. Mm -hmm. But the problem is when you get enough of it in, the way we get rid of deuterium, like mammals have amazing abilities to get rid of deuterium. So the major one in the gut is your enterocytes slough off every 24 to 48 hours. This assumes that your SEN, that's the eye clock that controls all this, is intact. You know what blue light does to this clock? Makes it inaccurate. So you think sitting in front of that screen is a problem and you don't think that Bill Gates and his buddies know about that? So if they keep feeding you deuterium, you can't get rid of it in your gut. Now, why is that a big deal? That changes what cholesterol can do on your surface. Why? Because then you're gonna have too much deuterium on your surface and the lipid rafts in cholesterol no longer operate the way they're supposed to by evolutionary direction. What's the other effect? You know the big difference between chimps and humans? We have ecrine sweat glands, all of us. I'm sure that you guys know that when you go to work out, you sweat profusely. You may not know that chimps and gorillas don't sweat that much because they don't have ecrine sweat glands. Why do we really sweat? Two reasons. First one is that's how we get rid of deuterium at that system that I just told you where- Thank God for my sauna every day. And here's the other part is um, it also cools semiconductors on your surface so that they function. That's where the melanin part of the story comes in. So it's a double dose effect of why this is operational. So when you see that the circadian system's broken and you can't get rid of the stuff you're going, all of a sudden you'll have doctors saying, you know, it's really weird when we feed people linoleic acid or seed oils, they seem to get fat and they blame it on the food, but then they forget to realize that who just bought all the farmland and who is controlling the type of stuff we buy, which are C3 and C4 plants. And what are they doing? They're engineering them genetically. Think Monsanto, think glyphosate. All of these yep. things are loaded with deuterium. Like the, the reason the food is bad isn't for the reasons everybody thinks. Reasons of food are bad because they affect the binary code. And the binary code changes metabolism and it changes morphology. That's where we're back now to Turing's idea. And people don't understand this. And I try to make the point, the part that I came to with you and Rick is I try to stay on the biology of the transition from chimp to human. There's some very unusual things there. With you guys, I'm coming out of a totally different way now. Oh. I want you to understand that morphogenesis can be changed when the binary codes change. I mean, that story, uh, if you don't know and your listeners don't know, uh, a guy in Lyon, France in the 1800s came up with something called the Jacquard Loom. What did he do? That was the true first computer ever made. Okay. He was able to make these unbelievable silk garments and silk things on the wall that you see like in, in France and all the royalty. But it used to take, when they did it by hand, they'd make one inch by one inch in one day. I think it got beautiful. So they made this loom and what did they do? They took the silk, they made a punch card with holes in it, binary code, and then literally shortened the process. They were able to make these things. And when you realize what happened there, the morphology, is the pattern that's in the silk. 
That's exactly what I'm trying to describe to you. Right now is happening to us. Our world follows you. What you're seeing on the streets of San Francisco is very explainable. What you're seeing in kids killing themselves, very explainable. What you're seeing with autism, very explainable. Because it turns out when you put that isotope hydrogen in the wrong place, bad things can happen. What you don't know is in the photosynthesis, we have three different uh, pathways called C3, C4, and CAM. CAM is pineapples and coconuts. C4 is uh, sorghum. C3 is soybeans, okay? Since that's what we eat. The craziest part of this story is, and I mentioned this to you, remember? Again, I'm saying it to you guys. Don't you find it nuts when you open up a biochemistry book and you see all these enzymatic steps that nature is getting us to do to take glucose made from photosynthesis and do something. You know what you find out? C3 plants at one carbon always deuterium deplete that area. So guess what that means? That means the water that's created in the mitochondria is deuterium depleted. It means the rest of the hydrogens on that have to be gone. So I want you to think about a carbon atom. You don't know about it. Look it up when you get off of it. You'll notice that that's like 90% of hydrogens have to go bye-bye. We don't use it. Nature's telling us this is really important. You guys are computer guys. You know that the software that runs the Jacquard loom, if you don't get it right, you're not going to get the pattern you want. Right? I'm, actually a sale, I'm actually a sales guy that sells coaching digitally. So we're trying to help people be better people. And they're all on blue screen. So it's kind of antithetical. <laughs> But so I don't, I don't know the UX stuff, but I'm, I'm just a state school guy who went to Pepperdine. But, uh, you know, and we're coming up on, on, on near the end here. I wanted one of the reasons why I wanted to have you is because I think you've also got some real practical solutions. You mentioned earlier glyphosate and there's a guy named Jack, uh, Zach Bush, who developed a product called Ion, which is humic substances. And that's supposed to help, you know, beat that shit up a little bit. Maybe not. OK, do you have some practical suggestions for detoxing from the code vaccine or you talked about cold, cold with, you know, stuff. Do you have, as we were kind of wrapping things up, do you have some practical yeah. advice for us um, lay people? Yeah. It's very simple. Okay. Read my Patreon blogs because I've given the answer in there. You know what people are shocked about when it comes to melanin? You know, it's the best heavy metal detox uh, protein in the body. Most people don't know that. Just so you know, I want, I want to be careful here. I don't want to be careful. I want to tell you <laughs> You, you want um, to be, yeah, you let, in bring Vermont, it, bring it to in, Vermont, in Vermont 2018, Zach Bush was invited with me and, and uh, Jeff Leach to talk. Um, I don't believe anything that comes out of Zach Bush, just so you know. I actually wrote about it on LinkedIn and told you why. If, if you understand anything about me, I am passionate about the truth, not half-truths. Zach is selling a half-truth because he does not know what I just told you. And it's not in his wheelhouse. He is just like David Sinclair or Lenny Garanti. Sell you a story that you'll believe so that you become an obedient idiot. So you buy the story longevity. Um, you, have, you guys have to understand something about me. I'm not in this to sell you a supplement. I'm not in this to sell you a diet. I'm not in this to sell you a product. I'm in this to teach you how you work fundamentally. And once you understand it, you got to get your binary code right 
and you've got to optimize melanin because all the bad things that they're doing to us, better than you do, and you can still live pretty well, even at a higher latitude and lower latitude, but you don't realize how much things have disrupted the protection systems that are in us. And it, and it extends to food. I mean, the, the stuff with food is real problem. Uh, and, you know, this is the reason why a lot of the guys in the paleo and carnivore community do better because they're eating food that stays away from what Bill Gates is functionally doing to the food supply. This is the reason why centralized food is trying to do what they're doing. And they're working in concert with Big Farm. Uh, they're also working in concert with Big Tech. This is the reason why Google's news problem. Uh, but it's also the reason why most of the executives that are in Palo Alto all have kids that have autism. Don't think that they're not getting caught by their by their same thing. They they somehow thought that this wouldn't apply to them, but it does. And the key is, I think this is where the love of money comes more from the love of time and the love of health. And I'm much more passionate about the truth because I believe when you plug into nature and you follow our biologic victims that have been accurate on this planet all the way up to maybe 1950, you can do pretty well. But the problem is right now, all of us are on the Titanic and nobody realizes they need to swim to uh, a lifeboat. That's the real problem. And they don't even know that we hit an iceberg. They have no idea, like our friend John, I want him to really, really know. I'm actually punching him in the mouth. This is the Mike Tyson moment. I want him to know because this is why I did the same thing with Huberman. I went there, not because I didn't like him. I believe we're at a stage that if you don't get punched in the mouth, you're not going to listen to what I have to say. When you listen to what I have to say and you read what I've written and you see the detail, I don't mess around, guys. I mean, I give you extreme and you know what the problem is from the low dopamine crowd? Well, can you give me a Twitter response so that I can understand right. this? So, of course, what do I say? Get in the sun. And then guys that John sells to or you sell to, they're like, oh, that can't be. It can't be that simple. But it is. And the problem is the only way that you guys are going to listen to what I'm saying is you have to understand it. So, you know what? Instead of dumbing it down, you guys need to level up. You can Got figure it. out how to figure out a UX interface works. You can figure out uh, the things that we figured out, like in nuclear physics. Don't tell me that we can't figure this out. So let me tell you something. I'm a pretty simple guy from New York City who is an athlete. And if I figured it out, anybody can figure it out. Mm -hmm. Dr. Drew's last question. You mentioned on that podcast about staring into the sun. What value, because I'll, I'll tell you a story. I, the other day, I was having a shit day. I walked outside and for some reason I thought about you and I stared into the sun for two minutes with my eyes closed, but I could feel its warmth and light. I mean, my eyes were basically a solid yellow. And when I walked away and I opened my eyes because I was walking my dog, I had a fundamental change happen to me. And I connected to that story. Why is that happening? What does light do to physically change you when you actually do get on high elevations? You connect to the light. You allow it to work. What does it do? The, the first thing it does, the red part of the spectrum, which is the most dominant part, thirty-three percent, that makes the ATPA spin faster, so you make more energy. The second thing, 
380 nanometer light hit one of the other non-visual photoreceptors on your cornea, your skin, or your face, called neuropsin. Neuropsin optimizes all your biologic systems in your body, like mTOR. Those are the things like Peter Addy, the expert on longevity where you guys live. Big no-no, just telling you. Uh, the third thing that it does, it hits the melanin in your eye. That's actually behind the retina. It's called the RPEs. That stands for retinal pigmentum epithelium. You could probably figure out why it's pigmented because it's loaded with melanin. What effectively happens there is that you're taking the water in the system right behind the RPE. There's something called the choriocapillaris. Most people are shocked to hear this. It has the largest blood supply of any part of the human body. Okay. Wow. It also makes the highest oxygen tension in the body, makes the most reactive oxygen species. All these things, scientists who are listening to this are going to go, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But mm -hmm. guess why it happens? As soon as you look in the sun, 40 to 60% of your circulating blood volume goes in that area and you irradiate the red blood cells that absorb what? 250 to 600. So you effectively just did a triple A jump to your entire system. What happened? At it home? did. It you was, made, but you made ridiculous. hydrogen, you made oxygen, and you made a ton of electrons. So what did you just do? I want you, John, to think about this. Your eye, you just learned something. I want you to, to really do this over and over again. Your eye is the on switch to the quantum computer. Yeah. That's what you just found. I did it again this morning and it worked. Well, keep doing it because the more yes. you do it, the more you do it, the less obedient idiot you'll be because your dopamine level will go up. And that's part of the reason, like every time I do a podcast with the biologic guys, they always ask me, can you give me Pareto's principle? Do the number one thing. Look towards the sun. I, I tell people to look 15 degrees off, but don't yes. close your eyes. I want go you to keep from. your eyes. Yes. Don't, don't, don't close your eyes because you want that 380 in your eye. You need that. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's reasons for that. It's not important. But the fact that you did what you did and you have the response you did, oh, I hope that you realize that that is offsetting what you're doing with me right now sitting in front of that screen. <laughs> I, it's now a new part of my practice. I really, I'm going to sit on my patio every morning and stare at the sun. But that, that makes me happy because it, it tells me that, you know, if you remember what I said to Rick. It was the most powerful thing because it was the most practical that I could use. Like you are a brilliant man. And I think there's a, there is a world out there that wants to get out of the matrix, that wants to create a better solution. And I think I encourage you to keep teaching other people because we, we invited you on because we want to learn. We don't want to sit in the pod and just let them suck all the life out because we want to see, is there another way? Buckminster Fuller always said the better, the better way forward is to create something new and we need Load to up. create something new. Yeah, yeah. Load up. I, and I agree with that. And I think, yeah. I think, you know, maybe doing this podcast and you thinking about what I said to Rick and understanding, you know, Rick is kind of, you know, as a creative genius, when he went through his own issue, and he called me up to help him out with this. He knew that I was going to come up with something that was really going to help him. And Rick, not a scientist, but Rick, absolutely. He's like me. I mean, I guess we are both from New York and we're very curious people. Yeah. But he, he embodies, like, I guess the, the message I want to take, give to both of you, you don't have to know quantum physics. 
to get benefits from this. Like, I don't have to teach yeah. lions and hippos what I just taught you, but you have to realize that these two things here, these frontal lobes, are what's blocking you from this story. And you have to realize that the guys in the matrix that you're talking about, they are nefarious. They are working against you. Mm -hmm. And it's not conspiratorial to say this. It's, it's better that you understand it. And then what you do, let your wounds create your wisdom. Like if you learn something in this podcast, you know, the key thing is lean into your wounds so that you can say, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. Like you made me very happy coming on with you when you said, Jack, I'm going to sphinx. I'm going to take my shoes off and get to the ground and look 15 degrees off and do what the, the ancient Egyptians did. And yeah. it's not going to cost you a damn. Dollar. See, that's what we're always looking for is people are looking for ways they connect to prove it to themselves. That's who we are. Rich and I start with the idea that we're already out of the matrix or we're trying to live out of the matrix. So what does that do? And we lead with curiosity to say, we find people like you who are already there. And guess what? You can do things that actually prove this is true. And well, that, so the sun test to me was like point number one. And there's yeah. so many more. Well, you you know, the sad part of the story, I was just sitting here thinking when you said this, that I've been doing this for 20 years. Everything that I talked to you guys about, for me, this is old hat. Like, yeah, none of this is new. Yeah. And the fact that it's new for all of you guys, I hope that people who listen to this podcast realize this is the frustrating part for me. The fact that yeah. we've been Muslims and I can't even put this information out publicly for want of the medical boards and the FBI and DARPA, the people coming after me. And that's part of the reason why when you sign up for Patreon, it costs one cup of coffee mm -hmm. a month. Like, yeah. I'm not getting rich on this. Where can people find your Patreon? Patreon.com backslash Dr. Jack Cruz. They can okay. find me anywhere on social media. They just put Dr. Yeah, you're Jack easy Cruz. to find. Yeah. 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 Dr. And, Cruz, and I just wanted to say one more thing. We, we, we tend to, to err on the side of hope. I know that you've been doing this stuff, but even the idea that Rick Rubin, who's um, heart surgeon, said, don't even touch methylene blue. What are you, what are you fucking crazy? And the next thing you know, six months later, the guy's coming back and he's like, oh shit. You know what? That actually was a good idea. Hey, how about this? Wuhan came from um, a, a per pergolin mating with a bat. Well, oh, guess maybe even freaking John Stewart knew that wasn't the case. And guess what they're saying? Oh, I guess it came from a lab. So, I mean, we're, we're seeing, oh, myocarditis, you know, you can't, you, you can say that now with the youth. So I, I think- Yeah, um, our target's the youth. Who are coming- yeah, well, I, I would on. that I, I think you're right, that that's what Rick, if you want to know the truth, uh, Rick called me up. If you remember in the podcast, he said six weeks, I didn't even answer. Exactly. And the reason why is because of what I went through, you know, the last 15 or 20 years. And the person that got me motivated was my nurse who's sitting to the side here listening to this. And she said, Jack, this is the perfect time for you to come out of the hole like the mouse and tell yes. the world the story and, and fill in the blanks. Like when I did the podcast with Rick, you guys realize I hit the big ideas, but I didn't do all the details. All the details are laid out on Patreon. Like right. when you go read these blogs, you go, holy shit, the implications. That's why I said what I said on the podcast, incalculable. If you, once you read, I would say if you read from quantum engineering 27 to 42, 
you will fall back in your chair and go, now I understand why this guy said everything he believes he had a race in those 18 months. And let me tell you something, to this day, that's still the hardest part of my life. And like now, talking about this, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, now that the genie's out of the bottle, but I do agree with what you said that post-COVID, the world is ready for the truth. Yeah. And I think enough people realize that we've been lied to. And I think you have to draw your own line in the sand. Um, what well, everybody's line is different. And the reason everybody's line is different is everybody's dopamine levels. Different. Mm. And when you begin to understand that, that's kind of the quantum entanglement between me and Rick. I told him about this book. That when I read that book, I saw a totally different side that most other people see. It's a book about frontal lobe, frontal lobe pathology in units. And the wisdom that he has in there and the things that he did and the, the stuff that I wrote in the book that I handed back to him, I hope someday that he really reads it and understands that. Uh, I want people to have this. Yeah. And you care about people. It's not like you want to be an ass. You care about people. Well, you like being an ass too. Trust you me. You have to be an ass to write people. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you got to punch people in the mouth. I mean, I do that all Sometimes the time. Sometimes you do. Social, yeah. I mean, on, on social media, especially Twitter and LinkedIn, I go after them. And I, I tend to go after doctors who are centralized who think they're bigger than their bridges. I, I went after uh, David Perlmer about uric acid in his book. I just went after Peter Adia. It's not because I, I don't like those guys. It's because what are they doing? They're peddling a half truth, you know, that I could put some other doctor's name in there. You know, I could think about, you know, the story that I brought up to you about Semmelweis and wearing gloves and that, you know, centralized medicine back then killed him for the idea of doctors were the cause of, you know, ladies dying in childbirth. But it's true. You know, sometimes the truth sucks and we shouldn't be afraid of it. Uh, we should actually embrace the punch in the mouth and say, okay, let's do better. You know, it's amazing to me. That's what innovators do. That's what entrepreneurs do all the time. But somehow when I do it in medicine, I'm the douchebag. You know, what's interesting is, um, Dr. Cruz is, so my kids' generations, I have three kids from uh, myself and three kids from my uh, wife, my uh, second wife. So I have six kids and they've all experienced some form of anxiety and depression. And I think here's the thing is our generation and your generation got to experience a lot of life without that scaled negative effect. But my kids' generation grew up in that negative effect. So they're all going, something has to change. And I think yeah, that's why. That's, that's the key though, for a guy like you, I think doing this podcast with you for me is probably good because I, I want you to really understand. Mm -hmm. Like I can explain to you why it's happening. The SEN, the RPE, yeah. goes and splits, but it's the same pathway. It goes to the SEN, it goes to a, a nucleus in the thalamus called the habenular nucleus that controls moon. That's where melanin sheets are. That's the reason why kids are killing themselves. It's the reason why they're all depressed. Uh, it's the reason why schizophrenia is rising. You know, there's lots of other issues, but you know, like all the diseases that you know about, like diabetes, uh, fatty liver disease, it's all because the nerve that feeds it has got melanin degradation. There's hypoxia in that area. 
blue light effectively and non-native EMF dehydrate. When they dehydrate you, oxygen levels drop. Mm -hmm. The key to fixing all this, that's what the hack was for, for Rick, giving him a big pharma solution that they never want anybody to use, change the oxidation state of iron so they could deliver more nitric oxide and oxygen to melanin so you can renovate it. Uh, and that's, to me, you know, a big deal. But, yeah. you know, you heard the story that the heart surgeon at Stanford and Peter Adia, Rick did, it was crazy. And, you know, to me, the ultimate act of arrogance and ignorance is to take something you fundamentally don't believe and ignore it and tell someone else that you're an idiot. And I didn't do that. But you know what? I'm doing that now to Peter Adia and to the surgeon. Why? Because I kept my mouth shut for five years. And the only reason I went on that podcast was because Rick said he was going to talk about the story. Because mm -hmm. it turns out that story is, is not bad for the, the people in question. They need to know what they don't know either. That's the essence yeah. of the Dunning-Kruger. And the only way we're going to get to change this, and I think you guys appreciate this, it's one person at a time. If somebody yeah. watches this video that's in your industry and says, you know, I'm going to do what John did. I'm going to make like the Sphinx. I'm going to electrify my RPE and I'm going to see if this works because you know what? It's not going to cost me anything. It just may, you know, mean that I have to change the time I go and work or, you know, I have to go outside my office. You know, yeah. invariably, you know, somebody's going to ask me this, John. Can I do this behind a window? The answer is no, you can't. You can't do it behind a contact. You can't do it behind glasses. You can't do it behind sunglasses. It's got to be you making love to that sun. In the I took I took off my glasses. I'm not wearing sunglasses anymore. No, you can't. That would be defeating the purpose. Yeah, it but would. You need, to, you need to look at peripherally, Jonathan. So look okay. at the sun and then turn to, the, to 15 degrees and then let it come in. And that way you don't get blinded either, but you're just feeling it going that way. See yeah. if that makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Dr. Cruz, uh, we're at the end of, our, of your time. We're way over. I want to thank you so much. Uh, this has been fascinating. And we are, I'm very interested in what you're doing. I would love to see more. And I'm going to look at your Patreon. I encourage all of our listeners to look at your Patreon and support you because I think fundamentally what you're doing has very simple proofs. And that's what makes it powerful is well, it's think, not rocket yeah, science. I think that I think the proofs are even more fundamental. And this is what I try to get to you, everyone. I'll, I'll see what you guys think about this. Everything Jack Cruz believes are laws of the universe. They're not Jack Cruz's opinions. The photoelectric effect um, equals MC squared. No other's theorem. You know, we didn't even talk about that. But when you read the Patreon, you're going to sit there and go, to "Relativity." That's actually how your SCM works. These are universal laws of nature. I explained to you how mammals use melanin and leptin to do some amazing things in us. Um, once you see it for yourself, it's really hard to ignore. You know, it's hard to go back into the matrix. And I hope some yeah. of your listeners, you know, hear this and go, all right, it's, it's the market of an educated mind to take something you fundamentally do not believe, examine it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then decide, do your due diligence that way. That was my beef with Peter Addy. That was my beef yeah. with Rick Surgeon at Stanford. That wasn't done. I fully understand, you know, why it was done on the surgeon side. Because as a surgeon, I agree. I, I don't want anybody telling me to change my protocol when I'm going in there. 
but Rick was smart enough to know um, he's not going to want me to do this, but I'm going to do it myself because I trust Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to level up. I'm going to make it a, a commitment yeah. to level up, man. <laughs> Dr. Cruz, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for your time. Please comment and follow for more. Uh, Rich, any final words? Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe and uh, enjoy the sun. Much love, everybody. Take care. Cheers.